Fred was a um, really neat gentleman to get to know. He he was an older man when I, my wife and I went to his home and about three months ago to talk to him about about the love of Christ and, and what that meant. And he discovered as an older gentleman that he had, he had cancer in his body and that he didn't have much longer to live. And, and he, he, wanted to, he wanted to really figure out this Jesus thing. And so Brendan and I, his, his lovely wife, Barb was a disciple of Jesus, loved Jesus, but lived his whole life without following Christ. And, and so um, the Holy Spirit worked in, in a certain way to where Brenda and I came into their acquaintance. And, um, and so we just opened up and we shared the redemption of Jesus and the love of Jesus. And then we left, and I remember, and we went back and forth a couple of different times as he was processing and discovering just, just what that would mean in his life. And, and I remember he called me on July 4th, and this was his question to me. He said, Dennis, does God really accept me? Does he really want me? And I said, Fred, the issue, the issue is not does God really want you. He's been chasing you since birth. The issue is will you open up your heart and receive him into your life. And so he calls me back about a week ago and says, please come over to the house. And he said, I want Jesus into my life. So Brent and I went over there and spent time, a lot of tears and prayer and some really cool things. And, and, uh, and he opened up his heart. He gave his life to Jesus Christ. He received the redemption of the Lord that God ordained and destined for him his entire life. He said his only regret in life is that he did not discover Jesus as a young man. And so, so I went back and forth. I tried to go over there every week just for some time in the Word and encourage him. His body was getting weaker and, and weaker, and you could tell his, his physical body was failing. And it got to a point where I could only go over there and just spend a half hour with him because he couldn't, couldn't spend much, much more time, and he was sleeping a lot. And he looked at me and said, yeah, I want to be baptized. And so we got a group of guys together, and we went over in his wheelchair. We took him into his, he's got a beautiful home, so he had, he had a nice building swimming pool, and we carried him down in his wheelchair in the swimming pool. And he gets up on weak and feeble legs, and, and we, we, we immersed him in the water and stuff. And, he, and uh, Brenda said, I've never seen such joy on a person's face before. And that was Saturday, a couple of weeks ago. And then that Friday, I get a text, and it said, Fred went home to be with the Lord. And I think, wow. I had the joy of being a part of that. How cool is that? How cool is that? And so two weeks ago, I talked about the beautiful fulfillment of redemption. I talked to the book of Galatians, and I talked about the three things that Paul, the Holy Spirit is trying to say through Paul. Remember, I talked about the first thing is that salvation comes by faith in Jesus Christ, not faith plus anything else. Just by faith in Jesus Christ, we surrender our life and we give ourselves to Jesus. Salvation happens. I talked about the second thing. The transformation happens by the Holy Spirit, not by your effort. It's by you surrendering to the work of the Spirit in your life, and he, he moves in you, and he, he transforms you, and he changes you. And then I said the third thing was... Is so that, that we need to embrace this, re, this one reality that whatever is true of Jesus is true of us. And that's what redemption brings to our life. And then I told you that this week, I'm going to talk about what 
the restoration of all things brings to our life. In that, I'm going to give you an overview, a 30,000-foot overview of what salvation brings to us after we leave this earth, after we leave our physical bodies. Now, in saying that, we see all through the scripture sprinkles. First Corinthians chapter three is chapter three. A sprinkle of, of God's going to burn up our works. You'll be saved, but your works will be judged. And we then we 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 go on into to First Corinthians chapter fifteen. It talks about the new body. Then we go into Second Corinthians chapter twelve, and Paul was caught up into the third heavens. He couldn't even talk. There was no words to express it. Then we go on into Galatians chapter. Uh, four about the inheritance we have. Ephesians one about the Holy Spirit. There's just sprinkles everywhere, you know, that, that the writers of the New Testament sprinkle because they assumed that people knew what they were talking about because they had a yearning and a longing for their new world, for the new earth, for the new life. What I have discovered is that in the Western culture we have no clue. We don't want to die, and that's normal, and that's as it should be. Uh, but Second Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says, I don't want to die. He says, I want to put my new body on, because death isn't natural. Death isn't from God. See, see the, 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 the neat thing is, is death, what we think of death is not truly death. It means we're shedding our body, and we're putting a new life on. And I want to talk about that today, and I, I want to talk about it from this angle. I don't want to talk to you about the different things about how it's going to happen, the thousand-year reign, the post, pre, may, pan, tribulation, however you believe about all those things. And, and I don't want to talk to you about how it's going to happen, but I want to talk to you about what the end result is going to be like for all of us. Good enough? Because there's several pathways, and several people believe different ways about what's going to happen, but everybody believes the same about the end result. My goal is that we're going to leave today with the biggest smile you've ever had on your face. My goal is that we leave today with such great hope, with great anticipation. And let me define hope for you. Hope is defined in my mind as an anticipation and expectation that something good is coming to my, to my life. That's all it is. And I want us to have such a, my goal today is to have such a hope when we leave that we have this big smile facing, yes, something good is coming to my life. Are you aware of this reality? That humanity is in a crisis of hope. Hey, we have lost. We have great losses. We lose people we love. We lose our health. We lose our, our vitality, our youth. We lose sometimes a job. Sometimes we lose our finances. Sometimes we lose a marriage. Sometimes we lose, and you fill in the blank. We have great loss, and we have many goodbyes. We raise a child, and then we put them on a bus, and we say goodbye to them, and we cry. They graduate from high school, and we cry at that graduation. It's another goodbye. Then they get married and we walk our daughter down the hour. We, we watch our son and, and we say goodbye to them as they go into marital life. And that separation from the home is just that much greater. And we have a whole host of goodbye and a whole host of loss. And we need a hope. A hope that is so overwhelming 
a hope that is so intense, a hope that so thrills us, so, so puts so much energy into my life that it sustains me through this great loss and all the goodbyes I go through. So would you pray with me and let's get into the word. God, we today want to have a clear understanding of that great hope that your word talks about. Father, we want you to fill us today with thrill, with anticipation, with expectation. Father, we want to have a hope that so sustains us that nothing can take that away from us. So bring that to us. Bring us clear understanding today. In the name of Jesus, we ask this. Amen. A great hope. Look at the scriptures. And, and, and friends, all I, all I want to do is present the word of God to you. Because <laughs> the word of God is so powerful. I love the word of God. God has given us this word so that you and I can embrace it and understanding what he has for us. Look at this in Colossians chapter 1. This is the book, and typically I go through a whole book real quick, but I'm going to just take one theme from this here, and I'm going to embrace this and stay on this. Look at what Paul says by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, we always pray for you, and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch this. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and we've heard also of your love for all of God's people. Isn't that cool? Which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. Amen. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. So there's something that these disciples had when they heard a redemption. They had an expectancy from the good news of this hope that they had. Now, C.S. Lewis says this, and I love this quote. He says, you're going to have hope for that which you have desire for. And you're going to have desire for that which you understand. So if you don't understand something, you can't have hope for it. And if you don't have hope for it, you're not going to be confident and expected. Does that make sense to you? So what we're going to do is try to develop the understanding of the hope they had because of the heaven that they knew was coming their way. Now, there's four things I've noticed about people who have this hope. Number one, people who have this great hope in them, they live marvelous lives. They just do. They are fun to be with. They have laughter. They have joy. They have peace. They're just cool people because they have this hope, and they they have this hope, and they live a marvelous life. Number two, people with this hope, they have a sense of honor. Honor towards God, honor towards himself, honor towards the people around them. They have a sense of respect. Respect towards God, respect towards himself, respect to the people around them. They have, a, they have this great sense of awe. They, they look at life from different lenses. They look at life through this lens of this great hope. Isn't that cool? And this is what I want us to do this morning I want us to give our hearts access to hope. I want you to open up your heart a little bit as we go through a whole bunch of scriptures. Open your heart up a little bit to let this great hope come into your life and experience what this hope can do for you. Okay, let's look at this. Let's get started. Look at this. 
in Matthew, or excuse me, Acts chapter 3. Now, I want to share with you some things that to me is almost breathtaking. You're going to hear me go, it's almost too good to be true. But listen to this. This is the final restoration. Now, let me give you an overview real quick. Generally speaking, and I'm going to give you a lot of freedom to go different ways with this, but generally speaking, when we die, we physically, our, 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 our bodies go to sleep. The natos is the Greek word. It goes to sleep. We go to be with the Lord in heaven. Okay? And in the presence of God, and that's where Jesus is today, that's where all those, those who are redeemed before us, that's where they're at today. All right? and, and Psalm 16, verse 21 says, In his presence is the fullness of joy and eternal pleasures. And that's what happens. You go to heaven. And there's not a lot described. There's not a lot of description about what happens in heaven. And you go, but you're going to be in heaven. But, but Jesus, the, the, the prayer is for Jesus to come back. And when Jesus comes back to this earth, you're going to come with him. Okay? Generally speaking, all right, there's going to be a great, sometime in there, there's going to be a great fire from Second Peter that's going burn all the corruption, all the evil off this earth, and a new earth and a new heaven is going to come from that. You're going to see that here in a minute. That's called the restoration of all things. This is what he's talking about in Acts chapter 3. Friends, I realize that what you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance. Amen. How many things have I done in ignorance? But God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah, that he must suffer these things. Now repent of your sins, turn to God. By the way, this is, this is, this is the gospel here. Now repent of your sins, turn to God so that your sins may be wiped, wiped away. Now watch this. Then times of refreshment, that's redemption, times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. And he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. Now watch what happens. For he must remain in heaven when? Until the time for the final restoration of all things. Did he say that? He's in heaven. He's going to come to this earth until the final restoration of all things as God promised long ago through his holy prophets. So what is the final restoration? Keep that in your mind. Now look at this in Matthew chapter 19. This is the world made new. Then Peter said to him, we've given up everything. It's interesting. He just talked about the rich young ruler, and he, the rich young ruler wasn't willing to give up everything. And Peter looked at Jesus and said, said, we've given up everything to follow you. He says, what will we get? That's a good question. That's not a selfish question. That's an honest, genuine question. Jesus, in following you, what will I get? Jesus doesn't reprimand it. Jesus replied, I assure you that when the world is made new, you see that? When the world is made new and the Son of Man sets upon his glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on 12 tribes and judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And there's a lot of cool stuff in that, but I'm not going to get on that. This is what I want to get into. And everyone who has given up Houses, our brothers, our sisters, our father, our mother, our cars, our time, our money. You fill in the blank. Everyone who's done that when the times become new, everyone who's given up those things for my sake, for my sake, that's the key. I've done it for Jesus. Watch what I have. will receive a hundred times as much in return. And receive eternal life. Do you guys realize 
Then in the restoration of all things, and when everything's made new, everything you have given to Jesus, everything you've done for his sake, you're going to receive a hundredfold. Now stay with that. Stay with that. Now look at this in Revelation chapter 21. A new heaven and new earth. I'm going to share with a lot of scriptures. Then we're going to put this together. Then I saw a new heaven. By the way, let me just throw this out. I already know what your name is going to be in, in heaven. I know what my name is going to be in, in heaven. You know what my name is going to be in heaven? It's going to be Dennis. Do you know why I know that? Because my name is written in the book of life. He's not going to call me George. I'm not going to be Tom. I'm going to be Dennis in heaven. And that's going to be my name. It's written in the book of life. Then I saw a new heaven. That was free. I don't know why that, where that came. I just, that, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This is, this is John receiving a revelation. This goes along with Isaiah 65 of the prophecy. He saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth, that's the one we're on right now, has what? disappeared, and the sea was also gone. Now, that doesn't mean there's not going to be any oceans. You could literally say the old heaven, the old earth, and the old oceans have been gone, okay? Because Isaiah talks about the new sea and the new oceans, so a lot of people get confused there. And he said, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. How beautiful is that? I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. Now watch this. God himself, he's in us right now by the Spirit, but God, God, God himself. Can somebody say, that's cool? God's going to be with them. And look what God's going to do to Dennis. He's going to wipe every tear from my eye. There's not going to be any more death or sorrow. No more crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Cool. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. And then he said to him, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. Okay, are you ready? We're now going to get into some very specifics about what your experience after your experience in this world is going to be like. Is that cool? Is that good? All right, here we go. Romans chapter 8. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day. Now, now, what's all creation? It's the earth. It's the galaxies. It's the sun. It's the hemispheres. It's the animal kingdom. It's me. It's my body. All creation. Everything is eagerly, waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse because of the fall of man. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know, for we know that all creation, the sun, the moon, the stars, the trees, the water, the rocks, the body, the animals, the giraffes, all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Everything is groaning. My joints are groaning. 
My muscles are groaning, groaning. My body is groaning. Everything is groaning. Now watch. I want to ask you this question. So what is the new earth going to look like? Now stay with me. If the curse is gone, if the fire has cleansed everything, there's no evil, and God creates a new just like his original intent, what is a waterfall going to look like? What's the ocean going to look like? What's a tree going to look like? My wife and I just came back from California where we visited Yosemite. What is Yosemite going to look like? What are the Swiss apps going to look like when no one's groaning anymore? It's in its fullness. It's in the restoration. It's in the newness of God's creation. What's that going to look like? Because that's where you and I are going to be. We're going to be on the new earth where God reigns and walks with his people. Now, let's look, let's look at our new body. So what, is, so what is the new earth going to look like? Think about that. Think about the earth we're in right now. Take all the oldness away and put all God's newness on that. That's what it's going to look like. All right, let's look at our, our new, uh, uh, let's look at animals. By the way, do you guys like animals? They're going to be, <laughs> well, we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> they, they, they are going to be in your eternity. Okay. What, what will animals look like when it's renewed? Look at this in Isaiah chapter 11. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leper will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion. And a little child will leave them all. The cow will graze like the beer. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. By the way, animals on the new earth eat. I mean, a lot of people don't know that. Do you know that these animals are going to be on the new earth with us? What will a restored giraffe look like? What will a horse look like? Remember, Jesus is coming back on a horse. Let's go ahead to the next scripture. I'm getting ahead of myself. Well, no, I'm not getting ahead of myself. Let me talk. Let me say this. I, I didn't put that in there. Do you know Jesus is coming back on a horse and says the host of the armies are coming back on horses with him? You're going to have horses. Guys, I want us to understand that the new earth that's going to be restored is very similar to the earth we have now, except there's no corrosion. And instead of having six, 7,000 years of corrosion and, and, and fallenness, it's going to be completely, absolutely, 100% restored. And part of that restoration is we're going to live life on the new earth with animals. Cool stuff. What about our new bodies? But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. We're eagerly awaiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak, mortal bodies. Our weak, mortal bodies. Our weak, mortal bodies. That is your reality. That is what we all have now. And change them into glorious bodies like his own. 
using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. What kind of body did Jesus have? That's the kind of body you and I are going to have on this new earth. Now think about it. Jesus resurrected from the dead. And he was in his glorious body. And this is what's so cool. When you, when you study, Jesus in his glorious body was able to eat fish. Two times at the end of the Gospel of John, he just appeared. And the Gospel writer made, made, made the point that the doors were locked. Does that mean in our new body we can just, zoop, I'm there? Can I just go see the Alps, be home for dinner later? <laughs> I don't know. But Jesus did that. What about the road in Emmaus, the, the, on the road to Emmaus? His appearance, he was there talking, but people did not recognize him until he allowed himself to be recognized by them. What does that mean for our new bodies? Because we have a body just like his glorious body. Do you realize that that's going to be a physical glorious body? It's not floating in the clouds. You're not a little mist. You've got your name. You've got your body on a new earth with animals. Isaiah chapter 40 says that we're going to mount up with wings like the eagle. Well, I don't know. Have you done that yet? One day, you're going to be able to mount up with wings like an eagle. You're going to run and not grow weary. I don't know about you. When I run, I grow weary. If I walk too long, I faint. But the day is coming. The day is coming when I'm going to be able to mount up with wings like the eagle. Am I going to be able to fly? What did Jesus do in Acts chapter 1? He ascended. I don't know, but it makes me kind of, this is cool stuff. Yeah, because I'm going to have a body like his body. So I'm going to be on a new earth with animals, with a, a body just like Jesus. Now, what about my heart? Look at this. Think about the heart, the depression, the anxiety, the grief. Think about the pain we go through on this earth. And not just the pain you experience, but what about the experience that the pain that a parent feels when he sees his child going through this depression, his child going through anxiety, his child going through loneliness, his or her child going through whatever. Look at this. Our hearts will be restored. Those who have been ransomed by the Lord will return. They will enter Jerusalem singing, crowned with everlasting joy. Sorrow and mourning will disappear. They'll be filled with joy. And gladness. Now, can you imagine? Every person you're with on this new earth is filled with joy and gladness. I am telling you, my children that I know, I will know in heaven, I will know their name, and I will be able to see my Jana Hope filled with joy and filled with gladness. That's cool. Look at this other passage. Look, I'm creating new heavens and a new earth. That's the problem. And, and by the way, let me just give you a side step. The reason why the Jewish people missed the Messiah is that they thought there was just going to be one coming, not two. And so they thought he was coming to set up this new kingdom on the earth and to restore all things. They didn't know he had to first come as a lamb to be slaughtered, to take away the sins of the world. And so I was talking to a Jewish man, oh, this was a while, a while back, and he's still waiting, and we talked about this. He said, I'm still waiting for the first coming. Well, I'm still waiting for the second coming, all right? But we're still both waiting. 
But, but, but uh, I, I'm not even sure why I said that, but that's, that's for you. But, but he says, I'm creating new heavens and new earth. No one will even think about the old ones anymore. Be glad. Rejoice forever in my creation. That's where we're going to be. We're going to be in the midst of his creation. Rejoice forever. And look, I'll create Jerusalem as a place of happiness. Her people will be a source of joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and delight in my people. And the sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? That my heart is going to be fully restored. No sorrow. No grief, no anxiety, no depression, no loneliness, filled with all the good things that God created for us in the very beginning. So we have a new earth filled with animals. We have a new body. We have a new heart. Wow. Well, let me ask you this question. What else could happen? Look at this next scripture. Delicious food. I like to eat. This is cool. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, these are true words that come from God. Remember in Mark chapter 14, Jesus said, I will not drink of this wine again until I drink of it with you in the kingdom. Guess what? We're going to be drinking wine with Jesus. And that's, I got to get used to that because I don't like wine, but we'll work through that. I'm sure he can change, I'm sure he can change my taste buds to do whatever he wants. But look at this in Isaiah. In Jerusalem, the Lord of heaven's armies will spread a wonderful feast for all the people of the world. It will be a delicious banquet with clear, well-aged wine and choice meat. There he will remove the cloud of gloom, the shadow of death that hangs over the earth. Now, what's what's going to be at this banquet? Clear, well-aged wine and choice meat? Now, let me tell you something interesting about choice meat. I don't know how he's going to do that because there's no death in heaven. So the animals aren't going to be put to death. But he made quail just came down. He could take a carrot and make it taste like a porterhouse. Won't that be cool? You know, I don't know how he's going to do that. You know, but that's the prophet. The prophet is prophesying, saying this is what's going to be like in those days. Isn't that cool? So now you got a new earth. And, and, and we can go scripture, scripture, scripture. You have a new earth. You have a new body, you have a new heart with animals, and you're going to be eating food. Is that the heaven you know about? Is that the eternity? Doesn't that sound cool? Uh, is that the eternity? This is the hope. This is the hope that has to rise inside of you and I. This is what we have to get. We have to capture this because this hope is what's going to take us through the difficult times of life. It's got to be on the forefront of our mind, knowing that this is what God's plan is for our life. What about rewards? This is lavishly rewarded. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. There is over a hundred scriptures in the New Testament talking about rewards. This is what's interesting. He wants you and I to be motivated by the rewards he's going to give us. Okay? And, and this is what I want you to capture. Because the Bible says all of our sins, in Hebrews 8 verse 12, he says all of our sins will be forgiven and never be remembered. Now think about this. Everything 
that you've ever done wrong. Now, I know some of you guys haven't done a lot of things wrong, but I have, okay? Everything you have done wrong, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, has been eternally forgiven forever. But there are several passages, you ready, that says, I will remember every good thing you have done. That's pretty cool. He forgets what I've done bad and he remembers what I've done good. Do you realize that? When you get up in the middle of the night to take care of your child, you're doing a good thing in Jesus' name. When you love your spouse and you commit yourself to your spouse, you're doing a good thing in Jesus' name. When you go to work and you open up the door for your peers to come through, you're doing a good thing in Jesus' name. When you give a check to help someone who's poor, you're doing a good thing in Jesus' name. When you see an older person walking down the road and you come alongside them and say, could I carry your groceries for you? You're doing a good thing in Jesus' name. Everything. Every. Every. Even if you've done 10 good things each day of your life, every one of those are going to be remembered. And the Bible says you will be rewarded for that. Now, this is what I want you to capture. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Jesus saying, Phil, here is your reward for that day you took care of that little child who is in need. Phil, here's your reward. Here's your reward for this. Here's your reward for that. Okay, now, can you imagine sitting on the sideline and watching your children receive their rewards from Jesus? <laughs> You're going to be lavishly rewarded. So we have a new earth filled with animals, with a new body, with a new heart, with great food, with tremendous rewards. Now, look at this passage. What about... The fall of evil. What, 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 well, we'll get to that one in a minute. This is just coming, this free. What about knowing that you're not going to have a sin nature anymore? <laughs> you know, I'm in a fight club, and one of the things in the chapter on idols, you have to write down one of your greatest frustrations. You know what my greatest frustration is? My sin nature. I hate it. I, I know exactly what Paul means when he says the things I don't want to do, I keep doing the things I know I should do, I don't do. I can't wait to have no sin nature. Can you imagine what it's going to be like to see Satan fall? That to be in a place where there is no evil. None at all. There's no wars. There's no genocide. There's no famines. There's nothing like that at all because Satan is gone. He's, he's been destroyed. He's been cast down. All right. What will we do? We'll, we'll stop here. We can go on and on, but I'm going to just say, what will we do? Have you ever asked yourself that? I mean, you're not going to float on a cloud playing a harp. It's just not going to happen. You know? What will you do? Let's look. In those days, in those days, people will live in the houses they built. And they'll eat the fruit of their own vineyards. Isn't that cool? going to live in the houses they built? They're going to eat the fruit of their own vineyards? Look at this in Revelation chapter 5. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. Boy, I can get into Daniel. I can get into so many passages about what that means. But you are going to be reigning over the earth. You're going to be reigning over the earth. Now, follow this. In the very beginning... The Garden of Eden. God created the Garden of Eden. And he created 
man and woman, and he said, be fruitful and multiply. Okay? And they were to reign over the earth. Sin came into the world, right? Not destruction. They were moved out of Eden. Right? And destruction came for years upon years, and Satan hid his way. As a matter of fact, today the Bible says the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Okay? And that's, that's the season we're living in now. This is a season of redemption. This is a season where you and I declare our loyalty and our faithfulness to the person of Jesus Christ and our trust in him, and we surrender our lives to him. Okay? And then... That in, in Matthew chapter 19, it's palagenea, that, that Greek word for new, Genesis again, is what's going to happen. And everything is going to be made new. And when everything's made new, when it's all made new, there's going to be a new earth with new heavens, new galaxies, new sun, new moon. You're going to have animals on this new earth. You're going to have a new body. You're going to have a heart that's not broken, that's completely restored, completely healed. You're going to have great food. You're going to be lavishly rewarded. There will be no presence of evil, and you're going to reign with Jesus Christ. That, my friends, is your hope. That is your hope. That's your hope. Hold it. Hold it in your heart. Hold it. Brent, if you'll come forward, let's all stand up, please. Hold it close to your heart, my friends. Meditate on these passages. Get them down deep. Let this hope build in a great anticipation, a great expectation in you, because in the Colossae church, it was that hope that gave them great faith and great love to go through this world. God, we ask you to restore our hope. Restore our hope, God that we can bring the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ to this world and the good news of a new earth, a restored earth to this, to this world, God. Catapult us into greatness in your son's name and for his glory that we can proclaim this great hope everywhere we go in the wonderful, precious name of our sweet Messiah, Jesus. Amen.